What is crackalackin', fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Dan Valley, joined my, by my certified fantabulous co-host, Grant Hughes. Grant Hughes? Grant Hughes? Grant Hughes on what? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Grant, Grant Hughes. Happy Hot or Not 3.0 day. This is the third edition we've done of this. We have a ton of submissions that we will get to, and we'll if there are any good live ones, this is Hot or Not. We're not answering random mailbag questions like if you have a hot take. You want to run by us. There's basically no one watching right now since we just started. You can feel free to run it by us. and We will try to get to it. Uh, before we get started, look, if you haven't subscribed, this is your first time checking us out, Apple, Spotify, on YouTube, subscribe across all platforms. If you've done all those things, please tell people about us, retweet our promo, shout us out on Twitter, pull quote us. We will retweet you if you tag us, or at least I will. Grant probably checks Twitter once every millennia. Uh, mm-hmm. So we appreciate that. And join our Discord. The link to that is in the podcast and YouTube description. This is not a hot take, but Grant, I hope that you're doing well. Are you doing well? I, Grant, you're doing well, hot or not? <laughs> uh, I still never know uh, if I'm supposed to say it's hot or not if I agree with the statement. Uh, so uh, I'm doing well, and it is not a hot take to say I'm doing well. So I guess I guess not. This is you know we'll do better. We're gonna work up to it to to the smoothness of our hot or not uh, verdicts. Uh, so yeah, we'll get there. Um, some great questions or some great they're not really questions. They're more like statements that we judge the uh, hotness or notness of. Right. That, that's that's the way we're framing this. And as we wait for stragglers to come in here. I think we're going to go through, I don't know who this person is, but definitely still not Danny Favs 2033. Mm-hmm. They gave us a bunch. And so while we're waiting for actual live viewers, more of them to come in, we will we will go through this one because I feel like this person is just basically irrelevant. But they really seem to have like an astute observation and and grasp of what constitutes a, a worthwhile hot take. That's all. That's all. I don't know who this person is, but they really they really seem to grasp the the nature of this exercise. Yeah, I'll, let me throw this first one to you here, uh, to, since this is all new to you and you're unfamiliar with any of these. Uh, so the first one we have is the Kings are more likely to win a playoff series than the Grizzlies. Hot or not? Hot at this point. And it's not the John Morant stuff, which uh, I discussed on an earlier podcast, if you want to hear more in detail. And you also shouldn't want to hear more from Mr. White Dude, Dampa Valley on the matter anyway. Uh, but there's, of course, the John Morant aspect of it. Brandon Clark tearing his Achilles. We still don't have a timeline for Steven Adams' return, by the way. They've been dog shit when Luke Kennard is playing on the floor with them. He's shooting the ball well, but he's being targeted on defense. Doesn't help that he's mostly playing with one uh, of Jaron Jackson Jr. or Dylan Brooks or neither of them. I don't see it from this team. They had very clear, glaring flaws. Luke Kennard addressed some of them without papering over enough of them to – you know, to make them a real playoff threat in my mind. And now the Kings are two uh, matchups. It's all about matchups. We know this. If they have to run into a full strength Lakers squad in the first round, people will pick the Lakers. If the Clippers or Mavericks drop that low. But I think at this point, even if we're talking, let's just say a team faces the Timberwolves or they face the Lakers. If it's, I'm picking the Kings to beat those teams before I'm picking the Grizzlies at this point. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, so really it sounds like what you're, it's more that you just don't have faith in the Grizzlies winning a series almost full stop as opposed to, Oh, the Kings are just, you know, objective. Cause I don't think either of us has a ton of faith in the Kings winning a playoff series either, but it's just kind of the Grizzlies. Every, every arrow is like just going in the wrong direction for them right now. I, I, I don't think that's, I think that's probably not a hot take. Uh, I think that's, that's accurate. Um, although like, you know, we, we are, we are maybe 
just ignoring because there's all these really conspicuous things that are wrong with Memphis and, and they've lost three straight and all this other stuff. But we can't just pretend like the Kings are going to stop anybody. Right. Like that. that's like that's just the real factual flaw with that team that, you know, yeah, it's a problem that Memphis is coming off, you know, is coming unglued a little bit in so many ways. But like the Kings have been super healthy, super cohesive all year, and they just are an atrocious defense. So I, I don't know. I don't have a lot of faith in either of them, which is wild to say about the second and third seed. But but yeah, the 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 trend lines are going the wrong way for Memphis for sure. Hot or not, Grant Hughes, a, a 10 seed will win one of the play-in tournaments. That's so tough. I think I think that's probably too hot. Um, and that's just because I like, you know, so for example, Miami is in the play-in tournament in the East right now. Um, so I'm putting them in. And then you've got, I like Atlanta and Toronto better than Washington, who's 10th. Although like, Who's to say, like, what if Atlanta falls to 10? It, it's it's a little early, but I just, the bottom of each play-in range start, is starting to look, like, really suspect to me. Now, if Portland or something managed to come in at 10 and you got two hot games from Dame Lillard, maybe that changes it. But it feels a little too hot for me. I, I more so, this one feels more directed towards the Western Conference because you could, in theory, think of the 10 seed candidates, the Pelicans of Zion, comes back uh even the thunder just like if they're the 10 seed they're they're scrappy as hell and then what if the lakers are just they're the 10 seed but they have lebron and d'angelo russell those feel like teams that could we we haven't even seen a 10 seed win one play-in game yet by the way so it's definitely it's hot i just don't think it's irrationally hot looking at the 10 seed candidates in the west i don't see the wizards like maybe if the if it were the raptors or the hawks that collapsed and fell to 10 uh, but like, if it's the Wizards, I, I, you know, that's really uninspiring to predict a, a ten seed win there. But in the West, I just feel like, okay, there's the margins between three and or four and thirteen are so small to begin with that is it really outside the realm of possibility? If you know, if it's the Blazers, no, I wouldn't predict it. If it's the Jazz, who are actively trying not to be the yeah. ten seed, they would prefer to be like the thirteen seed. Uh, no, I wouldn't predict it. But like, just under the context of some of these teams, I, I could see it happening this year. Yeah. Uh, okay, I, I I love this one. Uh, I'm just so glad that not still not Danny Fab's 2023 thought of it. Um, Damian Lillard will make first team All NBA, and just for some context, like I, I don't think either of us had him on as a starter in the All Star game. I think he sort of had to get in as like a as a as a wild card maybe. I think that's how I got him in. So uh, the fact that we're asking this question uh, or, or raising this, this idea right now is kind of wild considering, uh, you know, where he was like in our estimation a month ago or a little, a little less than that really. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of skew, is it not hot? Because when you look at, so when you look at the first team guard discussion, it's Luka Doncic just has one of those spots right. wrapped up. So there's one to dole out. And I think for the longest time that was Steph's, to lose. And I think that his injury made him lose it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know it. Then it becomes between Dame and Shea Gilgis Alexander here to me. I don't know if you would throw anyone else into that discussion. I will say Dame is having like one of the most quiet, historically awesome seasons in recent memory. So I was looking this up 83, including this year, there's been 83 times. I'm actually surprised it's this low, but 83 times a player has averaged over 30 points per game. Damian Lillard's true shooting percentage this season among that group ranks fourth. 
There's the two Steph seasons that rank ahead of him, and then one from Adrian Dantley. That's fucking wild. So he's just been, and he's shooting a career high from two-point range, getting the free throw line more than ever. He's just been absolutely incredible. And with Shea, who's been incredible himself, the Thunder did say they're going to monitor and manage his minutes with that ab strain. I know a lot of people took it as, oh, that they're tanking. And I misspoke. I forgot that his extension started. He doesn't get the max extension if he makes the All-NBA team. So I apologize to anyone who was listening to the Knicks Film School podcast in which I said that. But just like, I think they've graduated from subtly tanking to like, that's not what they're doing. It's a real injury. But he played his past two games. He's been spectacular and he's played a bunch of minutes. So I think this comes down to, unless you would add anyone there, would you have Dame or Shea in that second All-NBA first team guard spot? Or do you think there's enough time for Steph Curry to reclaim it? So I don't think there's enough time. It is. I think it is Dame. I think, I think it's like you it's a rebuttable presumption at this point like you have to have some really compelling evidence to say it is not dame because he's fourth in the league in epm he's third just behind luca in raptors uh you know total and then and they're cumulative as well and in wins above replacement so it's just like there's the statistical case is pretty much ironclad so if sga goes on some crazy run maybe because sga has played just like you know roughly 100 more minutes so the volume's there um, and really their teams are, you know, in lockstep in the standings too. So if one or the other were to go make some crazy surge and that would sway, uh, some people's opinions towards Shea, maybe if, if that team is the thunder that, you know, climbs into higher spots in the plane, but like Curry just hasn't played enough. Uh, the Warriors record when he has played has been just way worse than it has been in almost in any other season. It used to just be the splits were off the charts crazy. And now I'm pretty sure their record is better without him than with him this year. There's no yeah. credible argument to be made that the Warriors are better without Steph Curry on the court. But just if you're looking for reasons to elevate him over someone like Lillard, that's had just an objectively better year. Um, that's not there. So you, you mentioned this, I think the way I'm looking at Dame season this year, just to kind of pile on the, the, the praise he's 32 and this is the best season he's ever had. Um, right. His true shooting percentage has never been higher, never gotten to the line more box plus minus has never been higher. Uh, scoring average for anyone that still cares about that, even though we're kind of apples and oranges in it because scoring's up everywhere has never been higher. Um, this is just like, this is wild because it was not that long ago that it, it turns out he was injured and that was the reason, but it was kind of like, Oh man, it, last year before they shut him down and he had surgery on that adductor, it was like, he's slipped. Now, you know, this happens to smaller guards. It's too bad. You know, it, it, sometimes it goes quickly. And just not only has he not slipped, he's he is better than he's ever been, which is wild because he's, you know, before it's all done, he's probably going to make 10 all-star games and seven or eight all-NBA. And he's going to be a sure, he probably is a surefire Hall of Famer if he stopped right now. Um, yeah. And this is as good as, he's, as he has ever been. So he's got to be on that first team. So it's not hot then. Is what we no just way. Concluded. No, that's the correct take. Uh, this one, let's do a live one. This one's interesting from Pito next year's rookie of the year race is going to be way better than the Mobley Barnes Cade. They have Chet versus what um, versus Wemby versus Scoot and who else? I forgot. I forgot about Chet. Yeah. So is that hot or not? Next That's year's rookie of the year race will be better than 2022's rookie of the year race. That's a little hot because it presumes there's going to be a race. And I think there's a good chance that Wemby just kind of Paolo Bancaro's it. And in, in within like the first three you weeks in Houston, What's that? Even if he's in Houston? If he's anything close to what he's supposed to be, this shouldn't be a competition. 
And like, I just, you know, we can't, we can't spend an entire year. It'll be, well, not quite a year, but basically since October when the G League Knight had that showcase game against his team, the back-to-back games where he went from, he's the number one pick to he's the best prospect since, and then you'd throw out whatever, you know, mega super duper star you wanted to Tim Duncan or LeBron or Anthony Davis or however far back you want to go. So I think there is a chance that if Scoot ends up in like a perfect situation, maybe that's close, but uh, I'm going to need to see Holmgren looking pretty good before I, before I get on board with that. Um, Yeah. Unbiased Pistons fan notes, Brandon Miller could be a high volume scorer. He might belong on that list uh, as well. But if Wemby is like what he's supposed to be, this shouldn't be a, it, it would be a surprise to me if it were a competition at all, let alone a close one. So it's a little too hot for me. Grant Hughes, hot or not, the Mavs or Clippers will miss the playoffs. And by this, I mean they can get to the play in and they will, but they won't make it to, the, to a first round series. So, what does that look like? Uh, you got to have, hmm, so Dallas is going to have to slip. The Clippers are going to have to stay where they are or slip. Dallas almost lost to a Jazz team that is actively trying to lose. Yeah, it took a lot of points from Kyrie down the stretch of that one. To uh, And I love all these stats about how Luka and Kyrie are the first teammates to each score 100 points over three games in a row. And it's just like, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> no one else is going to score on that team. What are they supposed to do? Uh, so I'm going to say that's a little too hot. And it is because... I just think even with the Clippers having so many issues and even with the Mavs having so many issues, I can't, if you told me LeBron was going to be healthy for the Lakers, then that's different. But like New Orleans has fallen apart. The Thunder and Blazers are just, are not in it right now. I, I don't know. You giving me the or though, it's close. Cause I can pick one or the other. It's a little too hot. It's still like a little, like five degrees too hot for me. I'm just going to call it. I think one of them is going to fuck up in the play-in i don't i mean the the mavs being five right now i guess really bodes well for them but that just i mean that just means they have two more losses than the 12th place two fewer losses than the 12th place blazers and i don't trust their defense i think that's the team i'd be more worried about actually but also the big thing with the clippers is they appear bent on tanking because (laughs) the whole it's and it's not russ's fault but the fact that they decided to play Russ and Eric Gordon and Marcus Morris more than Batum and Terrence Mann, and you have Gordon and Westbrook now closing games, not just like Russ starting over Terrence Mann is one thing, but like Gordon and uh, Russ closing games over Terrence Mann, unless they like sort of wake up, the offense has been bad when Russ plays with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Like that's where's how many more red flags do you need? And so I almost want to say it's so obvious they will change things around. But if they're just going to try and continue to make this work, maybe they're the more likely answer. But I could just see, look, I mean, when you look at the teams that Dallas, so if they get two play-in games and they're going to, I mean, like they could wind up having to face the Clippers technically in the play-in. And then there's the Lakers and the Pelicans who, yeah, they probably won't have Zion. So just like it, if it falls right, maybe the Timberwolves are in there. Like I could see them losing just two one-off games. This is absolutely a team that could lose two one-off games. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, let's see. I'm going to throw one to you now here. Oh, oh, perfect. Hot or not, the Knicks will win more than 50 games. So they got to go 12 and three or better the rest of the way, which doesn't seem that hard for a team that won, what, 10 in a row, nine in a row before that streak ended? Against the Hornets, I might add. And schedule that was, loss. Schedule it, loss. 
yeah, you have the jail. Yeah, they've been playing so many just epic games, and Emmanuel quickly logged 55 minutes in that double OT win against Boston. It was sort of just like they did have a big lead, but they were gassed by the end. Uh, I don't, I, it's hot because 12 and three is like really hard to do, but their schedule is not that bad the rest mm-hmm. of the way. We know Tibbs isn't going to arrest anybody when, especially when there's like first round home court advantage right. on the line. The Jalen Brunson injury is it worries me a little bit, uh, but it feels like they were just like, oh, okay, we're going to give him a, a night off here. The way that Brunson's been playing, Randall's been playing, Hart's been playing, Emmanuel Quickly's been playing. This absolutely feels like a team that when it doesn't have that difficult of a schedule could win 12 of their next 15 games. And so I'm going to say that it's hot, but it's like, it's like plausibly hot. It's, it's, it's just a little tepid. It's like nice. It's ready to eat. It's, it's the perfect temperature. I really think is what it is. Yeah. I, I think I'm with you on that. I think uh, just like fatigue does feel like a real factor uh, for me, especially if Brunson continues to miss time and you're relying so much more on, on some of the reserve guards and just kind of moving everybody up the pecking order a little bit, both in terms of playing time and just your responsibilities. Um, that Hornets loss was hundred percent because the team was tired in my opinion. Um, and that's just going to happen. And I think maybe they had, more, they, they had more than enough to win. Come on. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> well, they always do. Uh, gosh, you, how many times did you pull quote that back in the day with, from Tibbs? I used to refer to that all the time. Yeah. Same. I just look, it's progress that he realizes players shouldn't be playing on one foot and that he gave Jalen Brunson the night off. That's, that's gross. a lot of, a lot of growth, a lot of real progress. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's, I, I think I'm with you. Um, there's such a thing as peaking at the right time. And even with Brunson out, the Knicks definitely seem to be doing that. So, and that's not really true of some of the other kind of four, five, sixers, you know, seven seeds in the East. Our final one from still not Danny Favs, 20 at 33 Grant Hughes, hot or not the betting favorites for defensive player of the year, which is Jaron Jackson jr. And most improved player, Lowry Markin, will not win the award. This wasn't an or, this was an end. So is that too hot? So I think the Jackson one for me, I could see the momentum just going to Brooke Lopez, uh, who I think is second right now, or at least is in the conversation in terms of the odds. I mean, Jackson's a pretty heavy favorite still, but it's just hard to sort of feel good about anything, you know, any sentiments towards the Grizzlies going forward. Um, and, and there was like the bucks have just put on the full court press for Lopez to win defensive player of the year all season. And I could see voters just kind of souring on Memphis in general. So that one I could see most improved is tough. I feel like, uh, last time I looked SGA was not, I was he like third or fourth, I think, or something in odds. I should, I'm I think he it. might be second now. Oh, Brunson was third and SGA was second last time I checked. So with just those two guys, I don't think that's too hot. Um, Markinen seems to have a lot of momentum, uh, but I think like, what if the Knicks, if the Knicks go 12 and three, which just to tie back to the last question or, you know, 10 and five or something, and, and they secure, say the fourth seed, if Cleveland slips and Brunson has a lot to do with it, I think Brunson could definitely, uh, you know, at least push Markinen for it. And then SGA, like, what if he averages 40? For over you know over the rest of the season not ridiculous so this is not sewn up uh i'm gonna say that's that is not too hot i'm just curious and shout out to chris curtis if i get fired for chatting live on the pod it's worth it's worth <laughs> it uh if grant or i get fired for chatting on the podcast well we're supposed to be filing something it's, it's definitely not worth it i'm gonna let everybody know that right now uh i i don't think it's too hot in theory but i do believe the defensive player of the year discussion is 
it's weird that Jackson, so many people have him just sewing it up. The Grizzlies don't have the best defense in the league anymore, which isn't a prerequisite. I want to make that clear. The bigger thing for me is he's averaging fewer than 28 minutes per game. There have yeah. been two defensive players of the year who have averaged fewer than 30 minutes per game, only one of whom who has averaged under 28. And it hasn't happened under 30 minutes per game since Michael Cooper in 86, 87. And I'm just like, aren't voters going to look at that and see that Giannis or Brooke Lopez or Bam Adebayo, maybe even, I still think Draymond Green deserves more consideration. I almost placed a bet on him via, via a friend because New York doesn't let you bet on player futures, which is just a fucking weird distinction when we're looking at legal sports betting. Uh, plus 8,000 for Draymond Green on defensive player of the year. just feels like he would be my pick, I think, right now. I'm not going to lie. Um, so I, I think not that that is in the bag as Jaron Jackson Jr. won't win, but that feels like it has a high probability of happening. I'm more rocky on most improved player. I think when you look at the Lowry market in numbers, I haven't seen this material change in his game. Yes, there's some like, you know, he's been pretty efficient out of isolations, but he just doesn't use them very often. He's still mostly a play finisher who gets set up. The way he moves is important. The way he moves, uses his size, excuse me, is important. I think he's played more like a wing these past two seasons than ever, than not just some like, you know, straight forward. And that's a big deal. But to me, my pick would be Shea Gilgis Alexander because the hardest leap to make, in my opinion, yes. is from fringe star or actual star to MVP candidate. And mm -hmm. that's what he's done. The Thunder have outscored opponents by more with Shea Gilgis Alexander on the court than the Mavs have with Luka Doncic on the court. That is not a perfect, you know, we can't use that as a definitive case, but it also kind of matters. Uh, I just don't know if voters are going to look at it that way. I think Larry Markkinen, the, not the narrative, but it's just you look at the eye-popping jump in numbers itself will cause it. Like he went from 14 points per game last year to 25 this year, but he also had seasons in Chicago where I think he got as high as 18 or 19 points per game. So I don't think it's too hot it, between my ears, but I think in, in practice it's going to end up being too hot because I feel like Larry Markkinen is just going to win the most improved player award. Yeah, I think so. That's a great point about the like the different types of leaps. I think for for Markinen, I do think he's better. I think his game has changed a little bit, but it, maybe it's, I don't know what you put it at. Like, because the guys we don't want to give this award to are the ones that just play more, or guys you know that are in their second year in the league that suddenly are you know a starter now or whatever. They just get more opportunity. I think it's probably like sixty forty and sixty percent being like Markinen's just in a bigger role on a worse team playing more. But it's like for the 40 is like he's, you know, demonstrably better at certain things like he, but I, I think you've really clinched it for me is the SGA is was and isn't, you know, top whatever fringe MVP guy was in the top five, I think, for decent stretches earlier in the year. And it's basically been as good as he was then. It's just like the, the serious contenders have just solidified themselves. Um, so I think I think. I might almost be like annoyed if Markinen won it. <laughs> Markinen became an all-star, right? Like that's great. Like, he's really good. Utah should feel awesome about that. But I think SGA is just a different type of guy where, you know, we like we used to think of Trey Young or, you know, Carl Anthony Towns even. All oh, this is different where it's like, well, you have a top 10 offense if he's on the floor, basically. I think, I think SGA is like not exactly that type of player, but it's there's no question about 
who you're concerned about hanging 40 on you, then, you know, he's just, he's like a different level of player and the highest level. So that, that, that's compelling. Good argument by you. That is. Can I, can I throw you a curveball because you just inspired one? Yes, here. please. Hot or not, Grant Hughes, Damian Lillard or Shea Gildas Alexander will receive more MVP votes than Jason Tatum. Dame, Dame or SGA will get more than Tatum. Uh, that's a little, that's a little hot because I think team success still is a huge factor for, for voters and just like best player, best, you know, if the Celtics may not wind up as the best team, they've kind of lost that mantle over the last couple of weeks. But um, I think, I think Tatum has the most conventional case that like, you're never going to, I think you're going to have to explain yourself just hypothetically, if you're a voter and you vote either of those two guys over Tatum, just because of I'm how I'm ready to Boston. explain myself then. <laughs> Not saying you'd be wrong, but you'd have some explaining to do. Okay, uh, can I? Can we jump to this? Is still this still is not Dan? I swear. Uh, why don't we do another person's? Right. You wanted is that one of the Jordan Poole one? Actually, uh, we could do that one, or we can. You know what? You're right. Let's let's serve the people here. Let's go to the first non the first non not Dan question, uh, which is from Kerrigan. You ready for that one? I can give it to you. Yeah, I'm scared. All right. The Utah Jazz have the brightest future in the NBA, hot or not? That's too hot. Just because who in-house right now is a part of their future? Is Akbaji, Walker, Kessler, and then, you know, are we really that high on Fontecchio or what Chris Dunn has um, been doing? Uh, Like, so they have all those picks, but they need to turn into something first. And look, Larry Markinen, I think that's the, is kind of the key here is, you have this, you know, 25 year old all-star basically under contract for another couple seasons. And yeah, that matters, but it almost, now you're at a point where I think other teams' picks are more valuable than your own picks. And that's just a little, not concerning, but challenging because you have control over your own picks. You don't have control over other teams' picks. Uh, and so, you know, even this season, there's kind of this mid-season tank job, but you're not going to be able to tank nearly enough to have, primo top lottery odds i think you just look at other teams wells of of assets uh and then also you know looking at orlando um looking at oklahoma city i think would be another candidate, or we have another, we have another one from t bloom 117 hot or not the brooklyn nets have the brightest future in the nba i would say that's definitely just hot uh, yeah. because you're kind of in the same situation as the jazz where it's, you have all these really good players but no like I guess Mikhail Bridges could still be the Caps lock star or Larry Marketing can still be the Caps lock star. But the fact that you're like so reliant on not your own picks and Brooklyn even more so because you don't have them, I think that just makes it way too iffy. And what would be a more interesting question, well, not more interesting, but I think is, you know, I'm not sure if you would take OKC or Orlando over either of these two teams. So that's my first question to you. But also, secondly, it might be more of an instructive exercise to be, would you rather have sort of the blank slate that a team like the Spurs has or the future of Utah. Yeah, no, I would take Orlando and OKC. Those are my two that I would just, you know, knee jerk say I like their their outlook better than Utah. But but to that to your second question, if I if if the Spurs or even say the Pistons get Wimbanyama, then suddenly I think you have to say either of those teams. I, I don't know if it would do the same thing for Houston because it seems like just such a catastrophe there. Maybe you'd even still have to say Houston's future was brighter than Utah's if they got Wimbanyama. But I think the Spurs and Pistons both, like suddenly, 
you know, we like Keldon Johnson and we like Devin Vassell and we like some of, we you know, love Devin Vassell. we love Devin Vassell. Uh, and then those guys are now the second and third, you know, and, and Jeremy. So like, so, and we, you do the same thing for Detroit. Like now it doesn't depend on Cade Cunningham staying healthy or Jaden Ivy, you know, figuring out how to slow down or Jalen Duran, you know, not being, you know, figuring out how to guard in space and do all the center. Now those guys are like, yeah, it'd be great if they did all that, but we have Wimbanyama and there's just, he's the best prospect since, you know, prospects were invented type of stuff like that totally reorganizes that, that question in, in favor of whoever has him. Um, so yeah, you, but Utah does have, it's not like Utah's outlook is bleak. I mean, that you would put them five, right. About this team. Let's get to this one from it's Allen. Uh, they say if the Lakers have all their guys healthy, they should be the favorites to get out of the Western Conference. Their matchups against the Nuggets slash Suns slash Warriors are all excellent too. Hot or not, Grant? I mean, first of all, that's one of the biggest ifs that you could lay out there. Uh, <laughs> but start start from there because even if LeBron does just miss the three weeks uh, from that initial the diagnosis, like he's you know him and Davis are both just about as likely to get get injured again as anybody but let's not let's not fight the hypothetical if they're all healthy i can't it's it's too hot i can't get to them being better than in so i could see them beating like either denver or phoenix or whatever other team you want to throw in there i don't think they have enough to get all the way through all those teams like it wouldn't blow my mind if they upset somebody but I don't see it happening over to take three series to come out of the West. That, that is like just the health we have to circle back to the health factor there too. Like, do you, th- I don't, do you think that it's likely that everybody stays healthy through those three series? And then even if they do, you can't pot, like you, there's no way you're, you're going to favor them to win three series straight. Right. Depend, you know, even if they get like a hypothetically easy path through the West, I, I can't get there. Can you? No, I, I can't. I mean, it's, if you want to say that they're going to win a playoff series, if they're sure. at full strength, sure. But I mean, and I will say, look, they've been, even with the LeBron injury, the D'Lo injury, they've been a lot more watchable. The offense is still sloggy, but Hey, it, it's almost like that's what happens when you're missing your two best shot creators, playmakers, and two of your best shot, like makers in general. Uh, they have the league's best defense since the trade deadline. Did you know that? Uh, Anthony Davis is playing inspired basketball. I know that you've known that. So if you wanted to say the Lakers will win the play-in, definitely not too hot. If you want to say they'd win a playoff series, I think it's hot, but it's not, you know, incoherently hot. I think this is, with all due respect, of course, incoherently hot. (laughs) All right. Uh, This is from Jake from State Farm. Uh, Anthony Davis never deserved to be on the top 75 NBA players list. Get him off. Get him out of there. Hot or not. Oh, man. Like, that's too hot, right? Yeah. Like that's just, I know that he gets a bad rap for injuries, but if we're going to put someone, I do believe if you're going to say that Anthony Davis didn't belong on that list, then Kawhi Leonard didn't belong on that list. Because what is your rationale behind putting Leonard over Davis? Is it you value wing play more? Is it Kawhi Leonard's been a finals MVP? Okay, fair. He's won one more championship as well. But like it, why are you leaving Davis off? Is it just because, uh, of the availability or is it something about his play style? And if you're then saying, well, he can't be the best player on a championship team. There's a shitload of people that need to come off that top 75. Yeah. Yes. So I think this is too hot. What about you? 
I mean, it's so I can't pull up everybody's resume. Um, but you can't. I think a lot of people are compelled by the fact that, yeah, like he's for most of his career, he's been either the best player on teams that weren't great or outside of the bubble, the second best player on teams that are pretty good. But like, just go through. He's got he's got four top 10 finishes in MVP voting. The highest was third. He's got just scanning through it. He's been all NBA first team one, two, three, four times. Defensive first team one, two, three times. First team all rookie, like eight all-star games. I think like, I think it can be true that you can sort of be skeptical about his ability to be the best player on a team that goes really far right now, but you can't ignore that this guy, like for stretches of his career has been the best defensive player in the league, the, you know, the best player on a title winner, you know, there's all these little blips and then the resume itself, I think is ultimately going to, going to justify it. Um, so that's a little too hot for me, even if like, if you really care about durability and, and like all that other stuff, then I, I guess, but you know, th- I don't think it's crazy that he's on the list. Uh, just to answer Philip Suzak's question, the Pelicans will get two lottery picks this year. That is indeed too hot because they only have one draft pick this year. They have the ability to swap with the Lakers. They do not have the Lakers pick outright. So uh, the the real one would be hot or not. The Pelicans will have uh, the Pelicans own pick will be better than the Lakers pick. And that's just not hot at yeah. this point because it seems no. like uh, and uh, Anthony Davis, it seems like Zion Williamson won't be playing again this season. The magic are going to have two though. And that team is going to get real good. Uh, you know, again, they're going to load up. I, I want to blow through this one because I, from Jake from state farm, because I don't think it's, it's hot enough, but hot or not, Mike Brown should be coach of the year. I'm good with it. Not too hot. I think that, I think that's fine. Um, I was, I was kind of on board with like Joe Missoula has had a high degree of difficulty, but I think there there's been some fair criticism of him lately and Boston has slipped. Um, I don't know where else you'd like to go with that award, but I mean, the frigging Kings are the second seed in the West and they've been horrible for 20 years. Like It's like, we're not talking, there's not, there's a very thin margin for error in the West, but like the Kings have a larger one than most teams. Now they are, they are still six losses ahead of the fifth place Dallas Mavericks. So like there is separation between them and the middle of the West, which to me mm-hmm. matters. And the other thing with Mike Brown, the Kings deep, we've talked about this. The Kings defensive shot profile is a plus, 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 plus. Yeah. Right. And to do that with this personnel is a big deal. They feel like, I don't want to say one player short, but it feels like they could sort of futz and fiddle. And if you just get some, another interior defensive presence or a interior defensive presence on this team, and then just another wing defender, uh, you're, you're, you're going to be in business. So I think it's him, someone who's not getting enough love. And there was an interesting discussion in our discord about this is that we might just be drawn towards new coaches or unproven coaches. I still feel like Mark Dagnall is, needs to be in this mix. I mean, if the, especially if the Thunder make the, the play-in, I don't know if it could ever go to a team that's going to finish below 500. And Mike Brown is my pick right now. I want to make that absolutely clear. Uh, I am wondering if Tom Thibodeau could get some last-minute love as well if the Knicks finish like fourth or third or something. I think people, much like Julius Randle's most improved All-NBA campaign, they'll be reticent. Um, they'll be reticent to do that. But I'm just curious if he ends up finishing in the top five or something. Yeah, I think uh, Jacques Vaughn might get some votes too. Like, not going to win it, but I, Tibbs, Tibbs survive this sure. season. Just surviving. <laughs> yeah, the, I think it's I, if Brown doesn't win it, I think it's going to be pretty pretty shocking. Um, let's see. Uh, I wanted to ask you because I love I love the the trade ones. Uh, this is still from Jake from State Farm. The Heat should trade Jimmy and Kyle if they can get anything back for Kyle, which is dubious at this point, and focus on Bam and Tyler. 
this is really just that the Miami Heat should trade Jimmy Butler this offseason. I just I can't get there because he's we've talked about him. He's basically like a top five player in the playoffs. Like that's just the way he plays. And his his style translates to the postseason. This isn't a merchant of foul shots who can't get foul shots in the playoffs. And look in the playoffs, he just decides to take and make more threes too. What would like I think I would feel differently if you told me they were in the situation of the Lakers, the Clippers, where they were so asset strapped, but like they can trade up to three first round picks this summer. And so I'm looking to augment what I already have. So I think this is, I do think you could get a caps lock hall caps lock, a talent italics, bold text hall for Jimmy Butler still. Yeah. That being said, and I know, I know that some people might not like his contract looking at the heat, probably from a 10,000 foot view. I don't think heat fans want to get rid of him. Like, what are you getting for Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo on top of here are good enough now that you're not really, you're rebuilding then around what you get and them. It's not, Oh, we're going to have a top end draft pick to pair them with after. And so I'd say, I mean, no here, I think, or I believe it's, it's just too hot. I agree. Like I, I get it. I think the heat do need to find ways to, to one, you know, pay players that are actually helping them a little, a little more effectively and, you know, get, get off of some of these contracts, but Butler's is, I just would not start with Butler because like, there's a real case that he's been a top 10 player in the league all year. And even better than that, he, like he's third in EPM and he's eighth in Raptor. Like, you know, he, he has his flaws and, and the durability is a concern, but like, if you're trying to win a championship, there are not that many guys you'd rather have than Butler, even at his price point over the next like two, three years. So and that's that's always what the Heat are trying to do. So I don't think sure if you can move Lowry like you have to. Same with you know Duncan oh, yeah. Robinson, but like I just don't think any any rational path towards getting better if you're the Heat begins with or involves trading Jimmy Butler this offseason. Can't get there. Can we get to this live one from Brett Burnett? The Grizz are better off without Ja. Could win a series, but it'll be more about matchups. Okay, uh, that's too hot but there's a lot of evidence going the other way you know last season whatever they were you know 18 and 2 at one point it didn't the record didn't end that well uh because they lost like two or three in a row late but you know tyus jones just winning more games with the rest of the grizzlies than jaw last year was a real thing and i think you saw too in the playoffs when jaw got hurt you know the warriors were they won that series anyway but it's very clear that teams target jaw on defense or at least force him to be involved. And then in a playoff series, that's, you know, he's impossible to guard on his own, but if you're giving teams an out uh, on the other end, like that's a problem. So I'm not going to say, I just still, am not going to say that they're better without him, but if you're in that camp or, and, or you're just kind of fed up with him or you're, you're, you know, this is like a real nadir for like his general public perception. Um, you got some evidence. You got some ammo, but like I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm not ready to say that they're better without their, you know, max, super max salary. You know, <laughs> was was the face of the league like two weeks ago? Point guard. It, they're also just not better off without him. They don't have anything to do in the half court aside from Desmond Bain, and we saw it just now in the just now the other night in the last night in the Lakers game that just you need, uh, yeah. you need John Moran, and also I do think there's something to this. Isn't I think it's talked about enough, but not so much. Uh, as all of this extracurricular stuff is going on, he is a really good leader or at least selfless to the point of, it seems like teammates genuinely enjoy playing with him. Very 
loyal and enthusiastic about the city of Memphis and about staying in Memphis, that shit matters. And this, we know that stuff has been going on off the court now for over a year, but like the vibes are only sort of starting to trickle out into the public now, or maybe impacting the team where Steven Adams had that players only meeting uh, recently. So I do think that there's something to the effect of not just his play, but his leadership and the way he carries himself for his teammates and giving the Grizzlies that high profile player with attitude on the court where, yeah, there's, I don't want to have the off court discussion with him again. I don't also don't want to be dismissive of it. And people, Chris Herring had a great piece on why we can't just look at this and say, Oh, you know, hopefully his mental health is okay because that's dismissive of people that actually have mental health problems. So we can't just describe everything to, Oh, he needs time away, two games or whatever for to deal with his mental health. And there's a chance he has to come back this season. I think uh, Mark Spears said that. And if he doesn't, I think you're really going to see the impact of, Oh, what the Grizzlies look like without John. It's just, it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, I think too, like I was just kind of looking for more evidence that, oh, but maybe he's not helpful because the Grizzlies half court scoring is their biggest issue. They score better in the half court when he's in the game. Um, so that's, it's not, if you're looking for like the magic, oh, this proves it that he's not helping it. That's not there. Um, weirdly, they're way worse in transition when he's in the game, which makes no sense at all, considering uh, just what he can do athletically. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm not ready to get there. Um, let's see. Let's go to, I'm trying to look for one that'll, can we so let's hit this one real quick? It should be this is still from Jake from State Farm. Victor Wimanyama is not as good as people are making him out to be, hot or not. Hot. I mean, what is the evidence that he's not? I would need probably more of a, an explanation as to why he's not as good as people think. And it, unless you're just worried about his durability, which I don't know if you read that long profile Brian Windhorse and uh, Jonathan Gavoni did ESPN. The fact that we focus so much on, oh, players need to like bulk up and they're going the completely opposite direction with Wemby where it seems like they're trying to tailor make his body to grow organically, not too quickly. Mm -hmm. And also just a ton of rest that, Hey, you're going to be lean. And that's just, what's going to happen. And you're going to survive that in the NBA. I'm, I'm more encouraged by that than, Oh, he needs to pack on the muscle. There's always, okay. He's, he's nine foot five and super skinny. Uh, You worry about his lower body. Uh, But I just having, from what I've seen of him, the hype feels like it might not even be high enough at this point, just right. because I've never seen anyone like him. I'm going to, I'm going to parse it uh, and, and, and really lawyer this question. Um, so I think, I think that there's really no argument against his ceiling being, you know, as high as anybody's is you, you sort of can't overstate it, but his most likely outcome is not that he's going to be LeBron James or whatever, like chances are he won't do that. And so I guess if you're saying this is not a hot take, that's the, that's the way you're framing it. But like, so his most likely outcome is probably something short of the greatest prospect in a generation, because just like, there aren't that many of those, but his upside is just, you can't put, you can't cap it. I I don't think, I think, you know, potential wise, his ceiling is as high as literally any player we've ever seen at this point. Pito hot or not, Wemby's a three and not a four or five. I don't, I mean, maybe, Maybe hot. And so he's not a five, but I think he could play some five eventually, but a three instead of a four, I guess the way he works from the outside in, that's probably not too hot. Right. I think, I think, well, we've talked about this a little bit. I think he's going to be a different player on either end of the floor. I think defensively he has to be a five just because he'll destroy every team's, you know, field goal percentage and attempt rate in the lane. But I think offensively, he very much looks like a, a wing or like a stretch big, I guess, to me, I just, He's he, that's part of the, why this package is so intriguing is he can kind of be all things. Did you need to go? Do we need to hop off here? 
No, let's do 10 more minutes. Okay, uh, so let's stick with the Wemby stuff from unbiased Pistons fan who was watching before, so it's only right that we get to theirs. Mm-hmm. The, the league will, sorry, the league will should rig the draft lottery to place Wemby in a good market that provides the best chance for his success. Example, Orlando, OKC for development, or Atlanta for a large market. Hot or not? Too hot. I think, you know, we. it's pretty important that the league uh, retain the appearance of integrity of the draft and the lottery because we still talk about the frozen envelope from like almost, what, 40 years ago now. So uh, that would be a bad look. Can't Cannot get on board there. I could look. Will they? No. Should they? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can get on board with saying let's not let him get to Houston. We oh, need yeah. an organization that will develop him. The market stuff is weird because he would be fun in Atlanta, but just like, I don't really want to see him try to develop around Trey Young, to be honest with you. Um, but, and like, I would want to see him in Utah or San Antonio. So do I think that it should be market-based? No, that would be from a business perspective, that would make the most sense. Let's get him. Let's get him in Atlanta. Cause you can't get him in LA. They don't own their own pick or you force the Pelicans to not swap picks with the Lakers if the Lakers win the draft, the Lakers win the lottery. And then the Pelicans decide not to swap the pick. Uh, but yeah, I would. Lo- I don't want to see his career just get derailed because I do think that the organization you wind up with has a lot of say in how you turn out as a player. Hot, hot or not, uh, future Houston Rocket James Harden would actually be a good thing for Wembenyama's development because all he does is feed all he does is feed the ball to Joel Embiid right now. I mean, I imagine he could do the same for Wembenyama. Uh, my God, could you imagine like what he would be showing Victor Wimiyama who needs 12 hours of sleep a night right now. And he's in the strip clubs with James Harden until four o'clock in the morning and they got shoot around at, at, at nine. <laughs> yeah. You might want someone else, uh, offering lifestyle and, uh, fitness, uh, advice. Uh, do you, uh, how is, oh man, this is, this is spicy from JT Alexander. Are you ready? Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. Hot or not. Franz Wagner is more important in Orlando's future than Paolo Bancaro. Way too hot. Uh, and I think we both love uh, Franz. I think uh, he's continued to improve. Uh, I think he f- plays a position that you always want. Just a big, he's basically a big wing, but he's like the size of what power forwards used to be. Uh, so super valuable, going to be a good player, probably make some all-star teams. Um, but Bancaro is just like, he's just your, he's the number one option, you know, shot creator high volume scorer that has the size and really like i think wagner showed up with way more craft than we expected based on his collegiate career but bancaro already just has just so many ways to score and he's so it's it's hard to speed him up like he can be inefficient as a jump shooter i think that's going to come around just because he has such good feel and instincts and just skill in so many other areas so like i feel like I don't know. I've probably already said more than is necessary to say that Bancaro, who's going to has had rookie of the year sewn up since like late October uh, is a, is more valuable long-term. Any other ones, Dan, this one is, uh, let's get to it very quickly. I'm sorry to commandeer this, but Thor hot or not the 2010, 2011 MVP should have went to LeBron instead of Derek Rose. (laughs) Well, or Dwight Howard, Uh, or Dwight Howard. Sorry. That's like, I think Zach Lowe has like championed that over the years. Um, I don't know, man. You know, I did go down the old, the Derek Rose uh, YouTube rabbit hole, like within the last couple of weeks. And when you see all those old bulls highlights, it's just like, I think even, I think even prime Westbrook athletically could not touch Derek Rose. Just the sheer violence of like how athletically he moved laterally vertically. He was just, 
he was just a different type of guy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess you could always, I think Howard though, you do the same thing with Howard. You go down the Howard YouTube rabbit hole and like no one his size has ever moved like that. I don't think, I mean, there's maybe a handful of guys. So I think you could give it to anybody. I sort of enjoy the, the Derek Rose MVP. Uh, so, and I don't want that taken away. Uh, I don't think this is too hot because it should have gone to LeBron or Dwight Howard instead of Derek Rose. But someone who actually wrote about this a few years ago, uh, I believe that it should have gone to LeBron. Or The statistical case is like ironclad that Rose should not have won it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, if you're basing it on aesthetics, I guess, okay. But Dwight Howard was still Superman at that yeah, point. Right. Um, I want to get to, there was one I saw here uh, that I thought would be good. Um uh, no name for God. Knicks end up in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's too hot because I think you you need to you're gonna have to beat Boston or Philly to get there. That would be too hot. I guess if you don't actually, I'm gonna say it's not too hot because if you don't have to play Milwaukee, if the bracket sets up that you can get to the Eastern Conference Finals without playing Milwaukee, you've already shown that you could beat Boston. Obviously, a series is different. I think Philly is just vulnerable. Their transition defense is better, but weird. And they go through these lows. There's the James Harden playoff track record, of course. I'm going to say not too hot. What say you? Yeah, it's hard. I think it, the how the matchups shake out are just the only thing that matters here. Because if you, as it is right now, say they win the 4-5 against Cleveland, and then you just, you got Milwaukee. I don't see that happening. But if you can figure out how to slip a little lower or even climb to third, then I think maybe we're in business. Um, that's a long way to third though. So they basically have, it's just the path is tough. Like just logistically, I'm not sure they can, they can get where they need to, but like, that's not to say that they're just objectively not on the level of, you know, even Cleveland, but th- I think the matchups really are important for getting them that far. This one is all sorts of spicy from uh, HP Burgey <laughs> says, Jaden McDaniels and Ann Edwards will be a better version of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. We are saving the hottest ones for last. Way too hot. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, really, like Edwards. Edwards <laughs> might be. I mean, Tatum. Tatum's on a different level. Like Ed, Edwards will hopefully someday be in the MVP conversation as often as Tatum is. But like, I think right now there's a decent case to be made that Brown is is as good or better than Edwards just today. So like that's that's a t- like McDaniel's has got a pretty heavy lift to to reach where where Brown is right now, and that's assuming that this is only a conversation. Then if Edwards becomes as good as Tatum and um, or better, I guess so. Uh, that that's that's a that's a little too hot for me. Uh, going to just to, to respond to James here, hot or not, Clippers miss the playoffs if they don't kick Russ. We actually basically already did this one. Head to the twelve forty nine mark of this podcast, James. After after we're done. So appreciate the question. Uh, can we get to some of these? Uh, oh, I have to ask you the Jordan pool one. Can I ask oh, yeah. you? The Jordan, can I ask you the Jordan pool one? Yeah. Hot or not. Jordan pool will be traded over the off season. I can so, just see your inner monologue conflicting itself. <laughs> contradicting. No, it. I, I think, I think that is, that is not a, a hot take at all. Um, I think, I think actually we've probably talked about this a little bit. Maybe it was off air. Um, if they could have traded him this year, I think he would have been one of the biggest names like in the rumor mill. I mean, they could have, but, but the poison pill situation with this contract just made it just not feasible. Um, I think he's kind of the, 
he's kind of the lever to pull or the card to play if you're if you're trying to change the makeup of this team because you just you know and not trading Curry, Clay Thompson makes too much slash you're not trading him. Draymond might be a free agent anyway, and if you bring him back, it'll be on a cheaper deal. Wiggins, I are you? I don't think they're going to trade Wiggins because when he's right, he offers them something they don't get from anyone else on the roster. So Pool is the guy that feels duplicative, and Pool is like, I just I think the lows are so low that I imagine that, and maybe this is tying all the way back to the Draymond Green punch. There's just a lot of guys in and around that team that are, you know, that have had it, but, you know, or at least, you know, week to week or game to game, there's just moments. I mean, Draymond Green about walked off the floor last night against the Thunder when Poole missed him cutting middle and Green just quit on the offensive play, walked away while the Thunder ran down and scored. And like, I think that's emblematic of how some of the players feel about the way Poole plays sometimes. And just, he hasn't been productive. He hasn't been good enough this year. So um, I don't know who around the league is going to say, because this is a type of player he has to be. He has to be the guy, I think, that has the ball a ton and is driving your offense because he doesn't do enough well in other areas to be like a, a role player or like a support piece. So I don't know what team is going to say, this is our guy uh, to run the show or at least, you know, be a huge piece. But I think the Warriors will at least explore it and, and should, and they should, because there just aren't a lot of other options to, to change, uh, you know, the makeup of the team. I'm with everything you said there. Do we want to alternate through, we'll make this the final one, uh, the contract one from this is still not Dan, I swear. Yes, uh, I'll give you the first one here. So uh, these players, hot or not, these players will get 25 million or more average annual value in, in new contracts or extensions over the off season. The first one, uh, darling and current six-man leader after ridiculous games uh, lately is Emmanuel Quickly. I'm going to say not too hot because four for 110 for Emmanuel Quickly is like less than 25% of the salary new salary caps. I'm going to say not too hot. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Hot or not. All right, so this player will receive more than $25 million in his next contract per year in his next contract. Hot or not, Gary Trent Jr. I don't know why That's I really the whole thing. Just Gary Trent Jr. Yeah, that that's hot. I think I think 20 maybe, um, but I'm not sure I could see getting all the way up to 25. He's been better than R.J. Barrett, who well, is four for 107 guaranteed. You don't think yeah. he needs that? And he's he's only 24, by the way, Gary Trent Jr. He is. Do you think? Do you think around now? I this is a separate question from what the feeling around the league should be. But do you think people around the league think Trent Jr. is a more valuable player than Barrett? Yes. Right now, you think so? Yeah, I think Barrett still has the weird, like, high draft pick prospect sheen, even though I don't think he deserves it. But um, oh, I, <laughs> is that too hot? Is that too hot of a take to say Barrett does not deserve to be regarded the way he is now? I mean, the guy's um, off the floor to close games sometimes still. Yeah, I, that's not, I guess that's not too hot. It's just really funny to hear it framed in that. Yeah. <laughs> Barrett's catching strays. Sorry. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> Uh, Devin Vassell, more or less hot or not, going to get $25 million a year on his next deal. Not too hot. Yeah. Agreed. Desmond Bain. He's going to get 30. Like, he's going to get the – he might be a max player, I think, and that wouldn't be ridiculous to me. Uh, Harrison Barnes. I think that's too hot. He's just getting a little up there in age, but he just keeps walking into these $20-plus million a year contracts, basically, so I wouldn't put it past him. We're going to get to the end of his career and look back and be like, that guy made $400 million. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe it. 
<laughs> you ever do that on basketball reference? Just go down there and look at like, holy shit, like these guys have made so much money. <laughs> Barnes is going to be a half billionaire by the time he's done. All right. Uh, oh, yeah. You have to give me the next one. Kyle Kuzma. Uh, the Wizards are going to do it, aren't they? They're going to. 25. You think he gets, that's basically doubling his salary right now from 13 to 25. That's how the Wizards operate. They just what we, we're going to broadcast to the league that we pay our guys, even though no one around the league actually gives a shit about that. Uh, that that he's they would have traded him if they weren't ready to just pay what it's going to cost. So I think that is not too hot. I think Kuzma is going to get overpaid and make more than twenty five. I think you're on the next one, right? Am I on? Okay, Cam Johnson. I think that's too hot. 20, like he seems like he's going to end up in the 18 to 22 million dollar range maybe even less because of his injury and just he has he's been fine like he hasn't been spectacular in in Brooklyn and you're looking at regardless this complimentary player and i think he's going to you know the closing kick to this year he's going to continue to shoot under 35% from 3 is probably not a red flag but something to monitor and he's older too i mean that's been a, that's been a topic since the draft so you're 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 not necessarily you know if you're going to go 4 years with him that's a little different than going 4 years on a guy that's like 22 or 23 for a second contract our final one D'Angelo Russell oh man can't you just see i don't think that's i don't think that's too hot uh, i think he just feels like a 3 for 100 guy or something like that you know i i, I just i can see that deal getting done Are you 25 on the button yeah. Just like three for 75, which would be yeah. less than he's making right now, by the way. Right. That's the thing is I think that's why I went the three, for, you know, three for a yeah, hundred or three for 90 or something like that feels, feels in the neighborhood to me. And like, I mean, it may have a lot to do with how he looks with the rest of the Lakers, assuming everybody's on the floor. I mean, you know, I think this is a situation where if he can be like a real value add, like positive on a team that has two other stars on it, like this sort of, and just, I don't know. I don't think people in Minnesota were sorry to see him go necessarily. Um, so that gives me some pause, but I think if he plays well with LeBron and Davis, the Lakers will just be like, yeah, whatever we're, we're committed. And, well, if, if they can't go get Kyrie, there's a lot of ifs involved. In no, that, I but. mean, first of all, they shouldn't go get Kyrie. They should re-sign D'Lo, keep Vanderbilt and keep Beasley. And then even I if agree. Kyrie's willing to take a discount, that's the route to go. So I I'm agree. with you. I don't think that's too hot. Did you want to take us out? Yeah. Here? Uh, thanks for the questions, everybody, uh, except for definitely still not Danny Fabs 2023. And this still is not Dan, I swear, and not Dan Promise. Um, you're really just monopolizing these these hot or nots. Uh, good questions, you though. Like, uh, I'm looking at it now. We got through like 20. That's yeah, no. And, and uh, thanks, everybody that checked in with us on the live. As Dan said at the top, uh, please, if you have not followed, subscribed, told everybody about this uh, podcast uh, at this point, uh, please do so. Uh, we really appreciate it. We're trying to grow the community. Join our Discord. Follow us on our socials. Um, and yeah, rate and review. Give us five stars on iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast. That really helps us out. Uh, join us on YouTube. Uh, subscribe there. What did I miss? I think that, that's going to do it. Just follow us. Be a follower. It's not always a bad thing to be a follower. Um, so until we uh, talk to you guys again, uh, thanks for everything. And as always, shouts out to Frank Nilakina, the one and only, and apologies to Jared Allen.